Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hi, is this Michelle Trachtenberg? I'll never tell, but Georgina Sparks will. XOXO. Welcome back, listeners, to your one and only source into all things Gossip Girl. You know you'll love it. XOXO. Welcome to another episode of XOXO. I'm Jessica Zor, and you are in for a treat today, you guys. This is one funny girl who coincidentally played one of the Evo's characters, Georgina Sparks. Michelle Trachtenberg is on the podcast today. Michelle has been acting since she was very young. I mean, from Buffy to Pete and Pete to Six Feet Under. In fact, she didn't even audition for Gossip Girl. They just asked her to be on the show, which is so dope. But even so... She came on to the set, you guys, with no ego, no judgment, and she fit right in. And she has this nice blend of being professional and getting the job done, but also creating a vibe, (laughs) which she most certainly did with Georgina Sparks. You love to hate that character. Michelle is an absolute riot. Every time I talk to her, you guys, she has some crazy ass story to tell. Like she broke both of her ankles or for some reason there's a goat in her living room. A goat? (laughs) I mean, it's always the wildest stuff, and I'm pretty sure it could only happen to her. And I mean that in the best way. I really love seeing what she's up to, and she's always got great things going on. Let me just show you what I'm talking about. Get ready for some serious entertainment from the very talented Michelle Trachtenberg. What's up, girl? Hi. Oh my God. So good to hear your voice. Oh, baby. More importantly than anything, 
Who's the best MILF in the world? <laughs> You're very, very sweet. And the fact that I have a baby now is like wild to me still. Every day I'm like, wait, this is the best thing in the world and, and so crazy. I can't even imagine because I have um, a fur baby that my hubs uh, rescued for me during COVID. But it was a surprise as I came home to a tiny little brand new kitten. And every three seconds, I still check to see if he's alive. So I can't even imagine what an <laughs> actual moving human would be. What's like. your baby's name? Because I love it. It's the best. Well, first of all, he's a um, long hair um, tuxedo cat. So he's black and white. And his name is Mr. Martini. It's after James Bond. And James Bond liked his star martinis. Sure and when he he would like to pick the olives out of my martinis. So I'm, I'm probably guilty of getting my fur baby drunk at an early age. <laughs> how cute though. And how old? Um, we think he's just shy now of two okay. years. Um, maybe a little less because he was so teeny tiny. He can fit in the palm of my hand. Um, and he's of course a rascal like his mommy. <laughs> um, causes trouble. Ate a shoe the other day. That did not go well for him. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't know cats did that. I thought that was like a dog thing. Oh, he does everything. Name something. Paper, plastic, a chair, metal. It's just like. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Actually, what's funny is Bowie literally puts everything in her mouth. And she's a little 10-month-old baby girl. But And it's not even when she teased. Just everything. I'm like, wow, she's going to have like my appetite. Like constantly wanting to eat. Because food is literally life. Oh, and though Mr. Martini plays fetch. Don't worry about it. Okay. He's basically a dog. That's what Jay calls him. <laughs> Jay is very sports and athletic-y. And so he taught our fur baby to play sports, of course. Right. Oh, my God. I thought yeah. Wait. So we were actually talking about this on another episode the other day about how many fur babies were at work when we were filming Gossip Girl. Like when you would walk into the makeup trailer. Can you explain to anyone listening so that they know I wasn't being overly dramatic? When you walked into the makeup trailer, how many fur babies were up in that trailer? Oh my God, I would say oof, at least eight, <laughs> nine, ten. And that's like on a day that probably not everyone brought their dog. A hundred percent. There was also ginormous dogs, yes. right? Then I, Blake's dog was like miniature, like Mr. Martini. My dog at the time, my Frenchie, you know, she's just strong, chunky little Frenchie. Sure. <laughs> um, Layton's dog that was tiny. What was it? Uh, Trixie? I forgot now. Trudy. Trudy is so close. So close. But it's also been so long since we've seen all these dogs. And then Taylor had two. I had a dog at one yes. point. And yes, Jen's dog was a big Rottweiler. I mean, it was huge. Yeah. I literally remember walking into the, to the room and being like, I'm not sure if I'm in a pet <laughs> store. It's true. Oh, my God. Remember that we had it full of um, like a million nail polishes that we got to pick. Uh, like actually like a ginormous, like five foot tall makeup, nail polish area and all the makeup. And I don't know, sometimes I would steal some stuff, whatever. <laughs> You're like, I'm just taking it with me. Yeah. Um, that was a really fun place to like hang out in. But you coming and joining the cast and being a part of this like crazy journey of just how the show hit, how people received it, how much fun it was to all be together in New York filming. Yeah. How did it come about for you? Because I know you were born in New York. You were living in LA at the time yep. that you booked Georgina though, correct? Yeah, I was. I Yeah, I was in LA and I had wanted to move back to New York, but I didn't really have a reason. So I was looking for TV shows and I was at a big agency at the time. And somehow it got to me that someone involved, either Josh or Stephanie, I'm not sure, had heard about this small guest star and it was an, it was an offer. I think they might've gone to, you know, one or two people before, which is 
very common. Um, but obviously it was waiting for the perfect <laughs> bitch to walk every side. Correct. Yeah. And I was like, oh, believe me, I am very comfortable with playing evil. I do it in my life all the time. <laughs> I actually had some sort of feeling I couldn't remember. I don't remember everyone's story of coming on because it's been so long. But I actually, this morning when I was like thinking about talking to you because I was so excited, I'm like, I actually kind of remember or somewhere in like a haze in my mind, like I do think she was just offered this, which is also like awesome as an actor. That says a lot that they were just like, hey, we're going to like trust you with this role. That's going to come and like mess up a lot of stuff on the Upper East Side. No, it's really great. I mean, I've thanked uh, Josh Schwartz. Schwartz, Schwartz. (laughs) <laughs> Stephanie Savage uh, a million times over. Yeah. And I believe now that, you, I mean, this is what, 15 years ago, 10? I can't count anymore. Um, what day is it? <laughs> the phone call sort of went like, hey, do you want to come on this show that people hadn't fully, fully heard of, but still because it also stopped airing, right? It's sort of the middle because it was the writer's strike. Right. Oh, I, I haven't seen it. I just finished this film and like, okay, well, what's the character about? well, we can tell you she's an evil bitch. I'm like, oh, and? And? Okay, you had me at evil. Let me just play this clip real quick. Are you drugging Serena? Gee. Oh, boy. That was quick. Yeah, you need to be good. You can try them again later. Yeah. Okay. I'd like to propose a toast. Okay. <laughs> to the new you. I mean, you come in, you basically don't give her an option other than to hang out with you this evening, and then you go and you drug Serena. I remember reading this in the script and being like, oh my God. And then it just the more crazy stuff comes on and comes on and comes on with you. I mean, you fake being gossip girl. (laughs) You tell Dan that he's the father of your child. I mean, you did some scandalous stuff. Thank you. I can't really take credit for it. That was, you know, the the team of Gigi and their amazingly brilliant writers and the directors came on. Like, do you remember Amy Heckerling directing? Oh my gosh. Yes. So cool. And I just sort of, yeah, I had always predominantly played the good girl and I was so over that. (laughs) Oh, great. I have to smile every day and give people flowers and chocolate. I'm like, nah, let me screw some shit up in here. (laughs) So that was just fun. And I was, I think I was 23 or 24 and I was really looking for a role that brought me over that, you know, child star kind of phase. Right. It was that, and it was sexy and it was strong. And it was a woman that maybe a little bit too much knew what she was doing and had every intention of doing it. She was rather unapologetic, which I think is very fun for an actor to play. For sure. And you, you did it so well. Um, when you were coming to do it, at this point, like you were saying, like people knew about the show but didn't know exactly what it was all going to do. Did you ever have a feeling about that, like it was going to hit the way it did? And if so, what was that for you? Or were you just like, I'm going to go do the, my job, kill it, and we'll see what happens? Well, you know, I had been on Buffy and I knew the CW machine, um, even though it was called something else back then because I'm old. Um, and so WWWB. <laughs> Exactly. And (laughs) I knew that they would put a juggernaut of a publicity machine behind it. That was always their formula. And they were very good at it. And I knew that the books were popular with, you know, the, I don't know what you call them, millennials, teenage girls. I'm a granny. Um, (laughs) But it would just build momentum. And I actually think the writer's strike possibly helped it to not be canceled because more people were watching while nothing new was being created. 
So I think it was just a spiral of like wild events. Uh, I loved the writing. I thought it was obviously sassy and, and witty and respected the audience and didn't, you know, play down like a, you know, cheesy, goofy, one of the other network shows that I'm not going to say because maybe they want to give me a job someday. <laughs> um, and it was great. It was fun. And I I knew about the fashion and, you know, I've always been the fashion, like obsessed girl. And just walking into Eric Damon's like magical emporium for the first time, that was just epic, right? Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, this is serious. And you immediately got the Sex in the City vibes because Eric is a you know disciple of um, Pat Field. So it just all felt right. And I got to wear really, really, really sparkly jewelry in a lot of it. You did. You looked awesome. Try to steal things from the magical closet of Eric Damon's imagination. You got, let's, let's try to break down when you walk in what that looks like because it keeps coming up on every episode. This was the closet of every character on our show, you guys. So you walked in and there was Georgina's, Serena's, Blair's, all in this one room. How would you explain it? Well, and, uh, to add to that, um, everything is labeled very specifically. And also there's the huge section of only borrowed, meaning not all of our costumes, almost a lot of them um, were not purchased. They were samples from the designers. So there was like the do not enter section unless you're allowed to. You would walk in. <laughs> The entire like wardrobe uh, team would be busy to the right, getting everything together, all the lookbooks, pulling in looks. There was constant messengers coming in with massive bags of shoes and jewelry. But then you look around and you're at this like, wasn't it two tier, like massive metal racks, huge warehouse type thing. And then we had the little fitting room, which made into an entire collage of each characters uh, on the walls. Yeah. And saying like, this is the inspiration for Vanessa. This is the inspiration for Georgina. Um, And the jewelry would be floor to ceiling with everything in the clutches and the shoes. I mean, it was crazy. You could always tell whose fitting it was. Like you always had all the colorful colors. Obviously Blair had the florals. I obviously had all black. (laughs) (laughs) Vanessa had all the patterns and colors. (laughs) It's great. It was a great time. The ginormous bags and the necklaces that weighed 50 pounds. And I think like the boys would sort of take bets, like pretend to care, like how much bigger could my jewelry get? Because they're like, come on, come on. They don't make it like that. You, you grew up in New York. Do you feel like it was so far-fetched because it is entertainment and we did a lot of things for the shock factor, but were we real far off or, or how is the Upper East Side growing up? Well, I, so I was born in Manhattan, raised in Brooklyn. So I was arguably more your character right? and stuff, taking the train to audition every day since I was three years old. And so the first time I was seeing like the Upper East Side and, and, you know, West Village and everything and all that stuff was in my teens. And then later in the early 20s, I did know a lot of people that were very similar to the Gossip Girl characters and involved in that world. And some were actually more scandalous than the the show portrayed. I remember meeting some trust fund kids and going to an event and being like, Oh, dear. Oh, this is your life? This is wild. Wild. So I actually think, uh, and also because it was, you know, I just thought back, this is really before HBO, Netflix, all of the streamers were allowed to do anything scandalous. So even though I come in and I do fake cocaine off a table and then tape Serena uh, having sex and then sell it, allegedly, 
that was pretty docile compared to what's happening now. A hundred percent. What's wild is they did such a good job, like you were saying, with marketing, when all the parent groups were coming out saying, oh my God, worst show ever. They were using those quotes, putting it on billboards and putting it all over. I remember seeing it. I'm like, wow, you guys are actually like playing it back on everybody. Yeah. And Chase having like like licky, sexy time in the back of a camera or something. I'm not. <laughs> you and Nate Archibald? Yeah. Yes. Wow. How much do we and so Chase? Oh. We love Chase so much. For any of you listening that don't know, he is like the sweetest, nicest, real low-key funny, by the way. Yes. Um, such a fun person to be around. Let's talk about how much fun we had offset, girl. <laughs> like <laughs> New York City was very, very nice to the Gossip Girl crew and cast. Like if you wanted a reservation, boom, any restaurant, any concert, I think everyone kind of wanted to have their place in the show, whether it was a store or a restaurant. They were very, very nice to us. And we, I'm not going to say we took advantage, but we definitely were in our 20s having fun. Like, oh yeah, we'll try this restaurant. Oh yeah, we'll go see this concert. Oh yeah, we'll go to Brooklyn and go try out this new venue. Sure sounds good. Um, yeah, no, it was wild times. And also um, your listeners are going to be like, what is this no camera phone thing? But we barely really had social media or cameras in the beginning. So it was yeah. a lot more private-er not a word, uh, to, to do more fun things without being inhibited by like someone taking a video of you, uploading it to, you know, the Instagram and, and all that stuff. It was really more the beginning of that time. And it was, it was great. We had a ton of fun. We would go out as, as groups, probably cause some sort of ruckus. <laughs> and it, I loved it. And the New York at heart, I mean, the only scenes that were really challenging is doing cobblestones in like six inch platforms. heels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like when you're doing a spring scene and you're filming it in the winter and it was so cold and you couldn't have a coat during the scene, but yet you could see your breath. I'm like, how are we going to work around this? You could literally see my breath and I'm like in a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Those were always hard. Those, those but yeah. Challenging. Oh my gosh. But we, yeah, we had a really, really good time. Um, so who was the first person you worked with? Cause when I came on, I, like I didn't meet Leighton and Blake for the first like week was only working with Penn for the first little bit. Right, right. And you guys, that's what's funny about when you watch a show. Sometimes people can be on a full season and not have one scene with another series regular main cast, which is so crazy to me, but it happens all the time. All the time. Yeah, I did. I think must have been Blake that I met first because most of my scenes were with her in the beginning. Yeah. Like trying to come in and screw up her life. Um, and then actually also <laughs> might have been Chase or Ed. I think Leighton came a little later. Um, right. But at the parents, you know, didn't meet Kelly Rutherford or um, Dorinda um, <laughs> um, for, for a long time. And Penn finally, eventually, because, you know, I guess he was more hanging with you. And I was like, let's be in gowns and drink champagne in this scene. Right. And you, Penn, and Leighton were all childhood actors kind of in L.A. or in and out of. Yeah. Did you know either of them before? Because it really is kind of a small community once you live in L.A. or in that world. It's kind of like it becomes smaller and smaller, I think. But did you know them at all or no? I didn't, which is funny because I always thought that Leighton and I would be either auditioning together or run into each other at events. But I didn't move to L.A. I was still in New York until I think I was 10, 11, 12. Okay, those were a lot of ages. But um, <laughs> we went back and forth for a while. And 
Um, I think Leighton was more auditioning for LA stuff and I was filming in Toronto a lot for different stuff. And yeah, it was a small, small circle, but I didn't meet them until, until set. And obviously, you know how well Leighton and I got on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We had to be separated at times because they were like, no, 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 we called action. We, We called action. We are trying to roll guys. Let's go. Um, at this point, had you come to be in New York for a couple months? Did you know you were just doing a couple episodes? I think they had just said it would be either two or four at the end of the season, maybe. I'm terrible with exactly how many. And that was supposed to be sort of it. There was no, like, going to keep coming back at every beginning and end of, of every season. Uh, I guess, you know, the character had such a huge hit because it was shocking and because she was so scandalous and evil and became a fan favorite, which is delightful. Um, They were like, you know what? That worked. Let's do that again. (laughs) But I was also then, I think in the second or third season, I started um, as a regular cast on a different show on NBC um, that I played a nurse. So there was a massive amount of negotiations because the nurse show wouldn't let me back on Gossip Girl. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. If I have to go through five hours of medical lessons, wear Hello Kitty scrubs every day, I get to have a few episodes wearing my black leather, my, you know, crazy <laughs> costume jewelry, my heels. So it was an emotional balance that every party agreed to. Absolutely. And I'm glad they did that. And I'm sure every fan that watched and tuned in is happy too. Because... Yeah, how you played it and what you did and what you brought. There was just so many OMG moments just with your character alone. Can we talk about can we talk about Milo? Oh my god. <laughs> I actually genuinely forgot about that whole little arc and then I had read somewhere that Milo makes an appearance in the new Gossip Girl. I had a lot of friends tell me that. I haven't seen it, but apparently I'm photoshopped into a bunch of photos with a bunch of like really bad men, like oligarchs and basically every terrorist in the world. And I'm like, oh. In the new, in the new Gossip Girl? Yeah. There's oh, like, wow. A friend of mine said, I guess when he's sitting at the desk and I didn't see it, just like behind him is like a, like a shrine to all the <laughs> evil men I've met, uh, which is highly, highly amusing. Um, but yeah, I had, I had the baby Milo when we were doing original Gossip Girl and that was wild because- As your viewers probably don't know, when you have babies on set, you have to have twins so that one can film the few hours, then you switch out the other baby and then you feed it. And the thing that always made me laugh about that is you have to go quiet on set. They're bringing them in, get off your phone. And then you call action and we're full volume. I'm like, so what? (laughs) Why were we just quiet and now we can yell? (laughs) Yeah. Aw, that was such a cute little baby too. To be honest with you, now being a new mom, I give parents credit that will do that with their babies because there's a lot that goes into that. If Bowie was like getting ready for her nap and had to like go and be in a scene, I'd be like, sorry guys, she's got a nap. Uh, We'll be in the trailer. And that's hard to do on a set because you know how time is on a set. It's it's like precious and very crucial. So it's like when the baby's walking on, if that baby's tired, what do you do? I mean, you you just shoot the scene? Well, original baby. (laughs) Yeah, original baby Milo, he, um, one of the twins was very, very cranky that day. And I had this huge monologue to get through. Um, when did I not have the huge monologues? Uh, girl, when did you not, for real? <laughs> I don't still think my eyes can see straight from them. And it would literally be, well, my outtakes were always quite particular. Um, but 
that would be handed the baby. We can we can mention that in a minute. And I'm getting through. I'm like literally down the bottom of the page in my head, like memorizing, saying my performance, doing my eyebrow. I have three words left. And he starts waking up and he looks at me and he's like, ooh. And then he rips the earring out of my ear and then uh, threw up breast milk onto me. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, girl, but that <laughs> – did you have to redo the scene? Well, technically I finished that scene, that take, and then handed the baby back nicely and slowly and was like, okay, can we switch out the baby, please? <laughs> Get this breast milk off me now. Oh, my God. Can you imagine what our hair and makeup team's face was? Like, they have to wipe off, like, milk off my face and chest and everything. We we did get another take, and I think that's that's the one we used. I was like, that's okay. And the poor mom got so upset. I was like, it's okay. It's yeah. good. Well, also, you're, like, looking at this little innocent baby. They can't help it. So it's like you can't even really be mad. But also, did you ever work with a doll? Like, did they ever switch in the babies with a doll? When it was in the strollers, but obviously, like, you know, when I'm holding it in the close-up, they want to- Yes, in a close-up. Yeah. And also, baby dolls on sets are just very, very creepy. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. It it is creepy, for sure. How did Milo get cast? They sit a baby in a stroller and see if they don't cry for 30 minutes, and they're like, this is it. This baby can get through scenes. Like, how do you do that? They're not acting. Right. That's what I would always used to hear. Like, they would meet the parents um, and, you know- gauge them for how crazy they are. They would, you know, sit with the babies for a little while. They have experienced babies. And probably a requirement for me was that the babies had blue eyes, but they put girls in for boys and boys in for girls. Who are some of your favorite designers and did you wear them on the show? Because that was another big, obviously, character in the show. Oh, of course. I wore a ton of Marquesa gowns um, because I was uh, friends with, oh, funny enough, the designer's name is actually Georgina. Georgina. Yeah. I love Georgina. Aw. Sweet. Um, Yeah. So I wore a lot of gowns because also when we would come back from hiatus or I would come back from, you know, not being part of the mid-season just at the end, they just knew my sizes. And, and you'll understand that it's just very important for a few gowns that you need within a day or two to be sent over pre-knowing the actress's sizes. Cause there's no alterations. There's no this. So I did a lot of that. There was a lot of, um, uh, Erickson Beeman jewelry. Uh, the shoes were on the ga- ran the gamut from YSL, Philip Lim, rag and bone. Uh, I'm trying to come back every leather jacket on the planet. Um, <laughs> we, were, we wore, we also tried to mix and match like super high end, Hey, hey, this is what's like having a baby. Martini down. Martini down. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't. He's, he's, he's very uh, frustrated right now. This is his – oh, you were talking about ours. This is his treat time. Um, no, there was there was a ton. I think there was sometimes some Gucci thrown in. We tried to not do everything, everything crazy expensive, but there was a lot in there, right? Yeah. For sure. I mean, everyone you just list, I'm like, so good, so good, so good. But yes, I always liked with Vanessa, they would, you know, be in DVF and then she would have a pair of jeans from Urban Outfitters. And I think I like that because that's realistic. A lot of people cannot afford a $3,500 handbag and a, you know, $4,000 leather jacket. Um, I think for all, for the show, for the purpose of the show, it was amazing and great. But realistically, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm glad that she has like a $40, you know, pair of jeans on, $80 pair of jeans. Um, 
Because that's also my style. I like high end, but I'm also very, very into vintage and like mixing, you know, a nice purse with like some cheap jeans. <laughs> oh, I do. I do. I do the same thing. Um, you know, we also wore like a lot of Zara and stuff. But remember, um, the fo- the furs. Anytime anyone anyone wore a fur, it was a fake fur. So that's always something I like to. Point yeah, that's out. a little fun fact. Yeah, for sure. And the all the coats in the winter were just so beautiful and amazing. I feel so many of them. You have no idea. I'm a coat of, like just hoe for show. <laughs> You're like I'm bringing them all to LA with me, whether I wear them or not. <laughs> yeah, they're they're in storage actually, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. I want to see this storage, girl. Um, okay, I want to play a quick quote game. I'm going to say a quote, and you have to guess which character said it. Oh no! Okay, but yeah. I, let me preface this because I am very competitive by saying, you know, I never, I never watch myself, so I only have seen bits and clips and pieces when doing like press, but I've never actually seen the show in its entirety. <laughs> okay, then you'll have to guess, but I have a feeling you're going to do just fine. Okay, <laughs> ready? Okay, I need your photographic memory and your passion for social upheaval. Oh, wait, did I say that? No. Someone said it to you. Oh, I was going to say, I remember hearing photographic memory, which was why they always wrote me the monologues. Oh, my God. It's either Blair or Serena. See, I've already failed at this game. You're fine. Let's play it and see. I need your photographic memory and your passion for social upheaval. Was that Penn? It was Dan. Yep. Okay, that's funny. (laughs) All right, next one. Haven't you heard? I'm the crazy bitch around here. Blair. Right? Haven't you heard? I'm the crazy bitch around here. You were right. Blair to Georgina. <laughs> okay. Um, now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go get drunk enough to make you all seem interesting. Me, and I believe Harley Kloss holding a champagne glass or something. No. <laughs> I could have been, been mixing um, uh, episodes, but I, yeah, I love that line. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go get drunk enough to make you all seem interesting. There you go. Um, good job, girl. Very good. Can you talk about any of the projects you have coming up? I know so many things now you can't like talk about until it's like happening. True. But actually, um, I premiered a show about a month ago. It's a true crime series uh, called Meet Mary Murder, which is obviously suiting for me because murder. Um, and I... <laughs> host, narrate, and executive produce the show. It's streaming on Tubi. And it's basically like, you know, all our real true murder mystery crime shows, but with a twist where you kill your spouse. Wow. And how did this come about? Was this like your idea? Did someone bring it to you? It was an existing show, I believe, in the UK that they wanted to do a a spin on and have a female host and um, update now to what, you know, our true crime shows look like. And one of the uh, producers on it knew someone connected to me and it all just sort of fell into, into place. And being an executive producer, which I've, I've done a couple times before, is such like an amazing honorary feeling because I've been acting for, wait, I'm 36. Th- so like 33 plus years. Wow. That's amazing, girl. And it feels like quite an accomplishment. So Meet Mary Murder will be streaming on Tubi for anyone that sees it. The bummer that right before COVID, one of the, I, I forgot if you knew that I'm a Writers Guild, so WGA, and we had put together my film that I wrote that's a psychological thriller that I was actually going to direct for the first time and 
if I didn't want to, you know, go absolutely crazy, play a role in it. So we're probably going to go into development on that sometime mid next year. And um, I can't talk about this one yet, but just did a really crazy, amazing documentary that I was I'm very privileged to be a part of, which I'll, you know, I'll let you know when it comes about, about mental health awareness. And, and that's extremely important to me. And I'm, I've always been a, a anti-bullying advocate. So it was an honor to be able to voice someone's struggle to, you know, hope it at least saves one person to not have that same struggle. Absolutely. Oh my God. I'm like so pumped for, for all of these things. It's, I'm like, what hat don't you wear? You're producing, you're doing a documentary, acting, writing, Renovating my house and, you know, trying to not go COVID crazy. I think that's the biggest job, but stay safe and, and vaccinated and all that. But you know what? I, being busy has been my entire life and I'm very grateful. And I think the fans, that's why, you know, I had not done any of the Gossip Girl or Buffy stuff in, in, in the past. But, you know, it's you and you're amazing and you were amazing on the show. And we have maintained a friendship all this time. And even after Gigi ended, you know, we'd run into each other at the, the night before a party and you'd be like, girl, I'd be like, girl. girl. <laughs> it was like we never skipped a beat. And, you know, when we live our lives and we are doing so many things and moving and growing as artists and, you know, trying different things in entertainment and then, you know, the world shuts down, there's a lot going on. So to like, just talk to you and feel like we haven't, not seen each other in so long because no one really has in this time. Really feels yeah. really good, Michelle, seriously. And you were always so sweet. You brought just a really, you brought a really great character to life that obviously is a fan favorite, but just even how you were with everyone on set and felt like a part of the original cast from the get-go. And I mean, going back, taking this walk down memory lane with you, like brings me so many like laughs and like, oh my God, in my head, I'm like, oh my God, this night or oh my God, this scene. And, and I have to, when, when Josh and Stephanie come on, I, I really need to thank them too, because they really brought great years of our lives together. Those memories in New York, I can't wait to tell Bowie about them one day and, and my stepdaughter, Lexi. And I think we grow so much in our 20s. So not only like were we growing and learning about ourselves and then as actors, and then it was very new to most of us. The way paparazzi followed us, the way people wrote about us, that was all a part of us growing as well. And that was like very weird and odd. And Well, you know, the, the fans always phenomenal. The paparazzi were very, very, very aggressive and not like the most kindest. I mean, we did each have to get bodyguards, our individual bodyguards yeah. at, at later, uh, later on on the show because it was just scary and not all that safe. But we all loved being on set so much and knew that, you know, we had to walk down the street with a hundred dudes yelling at us and trying to get the the scandalous shot, um, et cetera. But once we were, we were all on set, uh, it was copacetic. Um, all the rumors that uh, existed about all this fighting, just I never witnessed it. Um, we all got on great. Um, and yep. it, was, it was cool. They do love to like say something and see how far it can go and hit. I remember reading that. I'm like, who's not getting along? Is someone else not like, is there something going on that I don't know about? <laughs> yeah. There is, you remember I used to poke you guys all the time, like on there. I'm like, hee They're like, we're, we're, not, we're, we're not a teddy bear. I'm like, hoo <laughs> and there's like a picture of me poking at Leighton like from a while back. And they were like, Leighton and Michelle in a fight. Like, no. <laughs> no, we were actually tickling each other. <laughs> yeah, I was really tickling. Oh, my God. Although I do think I hold a record for F-bombs on the show. I don't know. <laughs> you do? 
<laughs> yeah, because all the monologues and I would – that one line at the end, like, oh, yeah, but you know when you're like in it in a scene and you feel like it's going and then something happens where it has to stop, whether it's a light falls or someone honks or something happens and you have to start over, it is a little frustrating. But again, we were all such team players and it all it all worked out. I think um I think the show wouldn't have been the same without Georgina for sure. You came in and made a lot of noise. And um I wanna thank you for just being so sweet. Thank you for being here. I know you're a fan favorite. Same. And also, let's just leave it at the best part. A, we made a friendship, but B, you made a human. Ah, yes. She's a cute, cute, cutie. I can't wait for you to meet her. And she'll love, love, love your little your little kitten. Yeah. It'll yeah. all work out. We 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 grown girls now. I know. We we sure are, girl. We've been through a lot. But thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk soon. I can't wait for all your projects. They sound awesome. I'm giving you air hugs. Michelle, aw, thank you so much, girl. You have such an awesome way of making the best of any situation, whether it's dressing up in elegant couture or having a baby throw up on you. (laughs) I just want to keep talking to you. You make me laugh, girl. What do you guys think? Should I try to have her back for another episode? And maybe Mr. Martini? (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening today. Until next time, XOXO. XOXO is produced by Propagate Content and me, Jessica Zor. Our show is executive produced by Ling Lee. Our producers are Diego Tepia, Emily Carr, and Hannah Harris. Original music by Moxie and Loon. And the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky.